Good evening, Patriots. And it's Monday, March 6th in the year 2023. Live from Chico, California. I just got down here about an hour ago. Been traveling all day. Many thanks to Duncan for covering down on some shows this week as I go to this deliverance conference here at uh, Yuba City Glad Tidings Church called Isaiah 61, which I'll start tomorrow and it goes through Friday. Before we begin tonight, Patriots, make sure you're doing everything you can to protect your wealth. And the best group to do that is Birch Gold. Patriots, despite the U.S. blowing through the $31.4 trillion debt ceiling in January, the leftist White House still refuses to reduce spending. While our national leadership has buried their heads in the sand when it comes to fiscal responsibility, it's all the more time for you to be proactive. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold. In times of high uncertainty and instability, gold is king. It's dependable. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text BARDS to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold and then talk to one of their precious metal specialists. Think about it. To dig our country out of this mountain of debt, every single taxpayer in America would have to write a check for $247,000. And it's only getting worse. Protect yourself with gold today by texting BARDS to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, you can trust Birch Gold to protect your future. Text BARDS to 989898 today. Remember, that's BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 today. That's BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. That'll get you your Birch Gold intro kit. You'll be happy you did it. I actually got my B stuff this morning. I'm pretty excited. Like they brought in a Freightliner truck. I had five hives and a honey spinner and a bunch of other stuff, bunch a whole bunch of stuff. I delivered it up to the ranch this morning before I left. So that's going to be another adventure that we'll talk about as that gets going. Because my I'm getting Italian bees and they're coming in the first of May. I'm getting three full hives. And um, if you're wondering, no, I've never done bees before. So the way I always do stuff is if you're going to do it, just go full tilt and jump two feet as hard as you can and figure it out. So that's what I'm doing. And uh, by the end of the summer, I hope to have five hives fully active. And that'll give a great amount of honey by next year. So we add to that, we've got the cattle, the, the bees, going to do chickens by the end of this, end of spring and add probably a couple milking goats in the fall. And that should just about cover the basics and all the, and then we're able to already to grow all the greens we need. So that's a good, that's a good thing. Someone asked why Italian, because that's what was available. That's why. That's what I chose because of the Dedante or Dedent. That's a fantastic company. It's been around for about 120 years doing bees. And um, that's the bee they offer, and it's the bee they can ship to Oregon. So it's good. So I had this trip down today, and a lot of time just to reflect and watch. It's winter weather, of course, and it's really beautiful right now. There's um, we've had we had some snow and some sleet over the weekend, 
all over the southern part of Oregon and into California. And by the time I left today, the temperatures up my part of the world was about were about 45. Coldest it got on the road was about 31 degrees, which was down near Mount Shasta, which is always a weird area. If you don't know that route from that goes southern Oregon, basically Douglas County on on down into Shasta County and then down to Yuba City. I've done this route over my life probably 50 times or more in the round trip. It's a really beautiful route. It's a different, for those of you that always have this perception that California is all red, drive that route. You'll find out what real California is like. It's not, I'm sorry, you think California is blue. And that's the thing that kills me is so many people keep saying, oh, commie Oregon, commie California. You have no clue what you're talking about. These states are hard red like Texas hard red, but with a libertarian twist, meaning they just want government the heck out of their lives. Leave us alone and we'll do just fine. And they're great people. So the, obviously the weather is beautiful. Traveled on down, had a lot of time to reflect, a lot of time to have some conversations with Father. Mount Shasta, if you're, uh, I'm sorry, Shasta Lake, if you're familiar with that, is a massive lake. And when I came down here in the last time I was down, which was December, Shasta was down about 260 feet. So it was getting to a drought level that some said it would not recover. I drove over tonight. I couldn't quite get, I mean, it's a little bit hard to see because it was getting dusk. But to the best of my estimate, Shasta Lake is up about 100 feet in water. And that just happened in the last month, which is pretty, pretty amazing. So all these things are coming together to kind of paint a picture I want to get into tonight. And they just kind of bring you things to a head of where our world is and where the reality is. I took a peek at Gateway Pundit headlines before the show. I haven't looked at Gateway Pundit for probably a week. I just want to go over a few of these. Um, prominent D.C. lawyer who served in the Clinton administration killed after business jet hit severe turbulence. Tucker Carlson shows evidence of the Capitol policeman Sicknick was healthy and walking aft, around after being accused of being murdered. Arizona rancher pleads guilty, not guilty to a second-degree murder charge for shooting an illegal alien on his property. Trial is set for September. The um, Kamala Harris pulls out the great comment, conservatives are bad. There's a good one for you. This was a nice one. Alleged Antifa member arrested on domestic terror charges related to violent attack on Atlanta cop city. Is um is an attorney at the Southern Poverty Law Center, where Soros tied MISOS Jacqueline Benson was prominent board member. Biden says they had to take off his head to see if he had a brain. Yep, that's about it. So I mean, about worth mentioning. 
These are just a few of the headlines, and I'll give you a few more that just kind of go on. And, and I'm doing this on purpose, so just bear with me a minute here. This was a great one, and we're going to come back to this one. The government is trying to kill us now. That's a quote. Low-income Americans fume in mile-long food lines after pandemic benefits end. So the welfare state is not living up to its promises. One thing to keep track of, and this is a good one, is the Greater Idaho Movement, a model for national divorce from political left. If you're not paying attention to what's happening with Greater Idaho, Oregon counties are petitioning to leave Oregon, which is great. Fully support that. And it goes on. So, I mean, the reason I bring these headlines up, last few days I haven't even, as I said, I haven't even looked at news. And I really just kind of spent some time in with Father and just living and being with that space, especially with the natural environment. And today was really no exception. Driving the Jeep, which I always love driving the Jeep, and just enjoying the unbelievable beauty that was out here. All the way into tonight, as I came into Chico, there was a full moon, or I think we're close to full moon anyway completely lighting up the entire landscape. Northern California is almost open range. It's um, especially when you get up near Weed and down south of Hilt. It's rancher country up there. And it's beautiful. And it's just wide expanses with the mountains on your left and mountains far off, or mountains on your right and mountains far off to your left as you're heading south. And it's really a throwback to an era that we've kind of let slip and go away. And I was thinking a lot about that today, about this push to try to, at least 10 new cities that Trump's talking about, this push to try to consolidate everybody into cities and high-density living environments. These are all just internment camps is all they are. And in the process... It's the dehumanizing event to just turn us into better industrial slaves. That's not who we are. So when I read this garbage in here, and then especially this headline, which I already read, but I want to go back to it. The government is trying to kill us now. Low-income Americans fume in mile-long food lines after pandemic benefits end. How much, how far we have fallen. We've become so dependent on the government giving handouts, which is handouts funded by the taxpayer. Then now it's a proclamation that they're trying to kill them because they aren't getting what they want. That's not the way this country was settled. You had to have a spine and you had to have an ability to make something out of the land. You know, we just redid some fencing, like I told you, up at the property. And it's not that long. It's of a section. So each roll of four bar barbed wire is a quarter mile long. And we did two runs on the driveway up to the house, one on the left and one on the right. Four strands of this four point barbed wire on each fence. That took five rolls of barbed wire. So 
You can do the math. That's a total of a mile and a quarter. I'm driving down here on these open ranges and I'm looking at barbed wire fences that are running for miles. And I'm thinking about all of the work that had to be done to build and maintain those fences when they didn't have ATVs. Many of these fences are really old and they've been well maintained, but they're old. This was a, an era in, in which we had to earn our life. That's the era we've left. You had to make something of yourself or you died. The era we're in now is like the Allstate. You remember that Allstate commercial where people would put out their hands expecting to be paid? That's the welfare culture. That's what we've developed into. And it's, it's not biblical. It's parasitic. And it's a really unfortunate dissension we've seen in our entire culture. Where people see that the government handouts is normal. And their rationalization will go something like, well, I have to, I become dependent on it. That's exactly the point. There's been no motivation or no capacity to, for them to build out. And once they get locked into that loop, they're not going to leave. Now imagine that on these 10 new cities that Trump's talking about. But he wants to build these 10 new great cities in America. They're not going to be self-sufficient cities in the sense of people using their gifts and talents. It's all going to be Internet of Things and IoT and apps and tracking your data, making life easier and more convenient with autopilot cars and freezers that talk to you. Coffee makers that wake you up with an alarm or a happy song, brew your coffee and put it through a special fan that blows you into your nose in the bedroom or something. This is the world that they want to build. And it's literally insane. But once you get into that world, knowing how to escape becomes increasingly hard, more difficult, because you're stripped away from the foundational skills that we need. I was very fortunate when I grew up in that my dad was a remodeling contractor and his point to me was by the time you leave for college, you may not like all the skills you have, but you will never go hungry. Meaning you may not like learning them. I hate painting, but I was very good at it. I still hate it. And I was able to get jobs on my own, painting houses, interior and exterior. You know how to run an airless, you know how to run, use a roller, you know how to cut in, you know how to use your different paints, you understand textures, you understand color, you understand how to mix, you understand finish, you understand prep. That ultimately led for me having my own remodeling company for a while. All of that from the skills that my dad gave me when I was growing up. Food is another one. My mom and my dad each contributed to huge parts of my life. And I would work, especially in high school, I would work either after school or in the summers with my dad. And then I would come home and I would quickly change and I would go and I would cook with my mom. And um, with that, I, I learned to cook well. By the time I finished 
high school, I had read The Joy of Cooking cover to cover about three times. And all of that, again, was about having skills that you could use, not having to rely on other people. Sadly, parents aren't doing that enough these days. We're seeing a revival of it, but we're not, we haven't done it enough. And that's part of this vision that we're trying to build out eventually at this property is to empower children and youth with the skills to survive in life that have nothing to do with an app and have nothing to do with Internet of Things and have nothing to do with this digital culture, but have everything to do with going back to the old world to understand how you have to use your, your brain for a, an actually a cognitive device and you have to get your hands dirty and you have to take a risk. When you're butchering meat, you're taking a risk. You slip, you cut yourself. You don't wear the right chain mail, you stab yourself, you can die. That's just life. And the problem is we've gotten to a place where everybody cringes at this. They want to defend and protect from everything. And that's not living. That's, well, it is, but it's living inside of a hermetically sealed box. Life is a risk. And there's a lot of risk. My grandmother rode a horse about 20 miles to school. And that horse knew the route so well, and she was a she was a good rider, that when she came back from school, and school got out around five, not three, the horse, she could fall asleep on the horse, and the horse would take her through the trails, and it would lower itself when it came to the limbs that might hit her, and she would simply lay over and fall asleep on the horse, hang on to its mane, and the horse would bring her home. This sounds like mythologies today. We're so far out of touch with what real life is and how that actually works. And yet that's how we have to get back to if we're going to really make something great again in America. Now, this is an interesting piece I came across. Trump is his name, the cities, or he says he's got 10 cities. So I have an idea for President Trump. And this is my thought is since there's 10 cities, and since they're each going to be built probably around the 15-minute city green agenda model, I think we ought to name them after the plagues. So we'll have city number one called blood, city number two called frogs, city number three called gnats, another one called flies, another one called livestock, another one called boils, another one called hail, another one called locusts, another one called darkness, and another one called plague on the firstborn. And you can add a plague before every single one of those. I think that will probably solve the problem of what to do with those cities because that's exactly what they're going to become. They're going to become plagues on humanity because there's nothing. And someone asked me, they said this to me today. They said, wow, you know, if you think about it, it's really not a bad idea because it's going to give us a chance to restart when you think about having how much we have to do to fix the old cities. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with the capital of Brazil. It's called Brasilia. It was one of these cities. It was a perfectly planned and designed city by those great thinkers of the 60s. It is a virtual crap hole today. It's a mess. Once they did this perfectly planned cities, then they had a problem. They didn't have an ability to account for growth. There was no expansion capability. It was in the middle of the jungle. There was, it was disconnected from everything. Violent crime began to arise. It's a junk hole. 
Anything man creates that's by his own hand without creating an organic and balanced nature with things that relate to God, it ends up being a crap hole. And that's just by virtue of what we do because we can't think the right way. We're always thinking about control and we're trying to think about efficiencies and we're trying to think about all these other design things that have nothing to do with the human experience. And that's the point of this. When you drive down, walk outside, drive down the freeway, whatever it is, today in this beautiful drive, coming from Southern Oregon all the way down to Northern California, man can't create that beauty. That's God's hand, and it's perfect, and it's beautiful. And there's a, even in the open, kind of the open prairie area, open plains area, up in Northern California, it's probably not the right term, but I mean, it's wide open territory up there between the mountains and the, and the and big cattle area. Even that has, even with all the fences, it still looks great. Because a lot of the guys, I, they, they get a rhythm when you're out there in the world. But that's not going to happen when you build these cities. So I have this balance thing going on. I'm just kind of vibing with the whole natural space that's been all weekend. Had a great one today. And I walk into the hotel and check in. And um, as I'm leaving to go to the get my stuff, I look at the my hotel keys and I can't read the number. I, the guy writes the number I swear he, he must know how to do micro writing. I would have needed a microscope to read the room number. He wrote it so small. So as I'm exiting the door to go out to the Jeep, and the Jeep's parked right in front, I said, hey, I can't read the room number. What's the room number? And he says, oh, I, I can't say it out loud. I said, all right. That's cool. No problem. But here's what happens. There's a masked young lady standing at the desk, checking in, and she decides to pipe up and try to be funny as she talks through her face diaper. And I was, I would say that it's been a while since I've been that irritated. And so this is where I kind of want to lead this discussion tonight because this is this whole world out here in God's world that's peaceful and calm. And then we have this other world, which is the, the world of fear and the world of make-believe and the world of headlines and the world of, of invented values that mean nothing in the real scope of things. Now, if that wasn't enough, I went in and got my stuff. And I make a point when I'm in public to be polite. And I, and I always look at this as like, like we're kind of representing God when we're out here, which is kind of a big deal. And I get on the elevator, elevator and guess who pushes the door open to get in at the same time? You got it. The face diaper lady. And I, I was seriously just irritated. And I was, I was rude. I don't even mind saying it. I, didn't even, I was just rude. 
And she was like all bubbly and happy, bubbly through the face diaper, which made me even more irritated. So I, I brought myself to a discussion with Father on this immediately. Because this is a difficult place. The mask to me, and, and this is the framing I'm going to start with. After you go through this beautiful, free, open world where everything has a place and a balance, no one's afraid. There's courage and great tenacity that has built these amazing landscapes of like big ranches. And then I run into this, which of course, you know, one wants to say, well, you're in California. It makes no difference where I was at. I could have been in Texas. It would have been the same thing because there's these people around everywhere. So this is the first framing. And I had to get to the core of why that mask so irritated me. And it's this. That mask is like a swastika to me. And the reason it is, is everybody that wears it now is vaxxed, almost 100%. I might, there might be a few that aren't, but almost 100%, they're all vaxxed. That's not it, though. It's the point that they're wearing a mask, and they've had to accept that others get a choice to wear a mask. But if they had the, the control of things, they would have forced a face diaper on every person in the world, and they would have forced everybody to take an injection. They're fascists at heart. And their giddy, bubbly BS that they like to give off is like, look how wonderful I am as they muffle that through a face diaper, which gets me doubly irritated. So I took this to prayer. And... I'm, and what I'm just kind of walking you through is just me being real, okay? I don't have a resolve on this yet, but I do find this interesting that Psalm 139, 23 to 24 came up, and I'm going to read it. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see that there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. The hardest part about that moment is to look at somebody like that and to realize that Father loves her. I don't, at least not right at this moment, maybe later, but not right now, I'll tell you right now. But that he's going to lean on us to have to be bigger than ourselves to find a way to demonstrate the power and the light of Christ. I talk about this all the time, but talking and walking the truth are two different things. And I own the failure on this one. It doesn't take away my, this goes back to what I've said so many times. Because it gets people always testy when I say this. We have to have a loving and forgiving heart and, turn, and trust in Father for justice. Even though justice can often be through our own hands as Father leads. But as I have reflected on this little engagement, which I give myself in terms of engagement a failing grade. If she's to find out that I'm a follower of Christ, that's the only impression she's going to have of Christ is my grumpiness and a massive irritation at her stupidity. 
And when I put myself in Christ's shoes and I ask, what, what would he do? It wouldn't have been what I did. This is the bigger challenge that we have right now, all of us. It doesn't mean be weak. It, there is a greater power in the kindness, which I did not exude tonight. I exuded everything opposite of kindness, more like you're a big pile of poo, get out of my elevator type exuding is what I gave the feeling of. And I would have been pretty happy to see that happen. But the fact is that we need to be looking at ourselves and how we are conducting ourselves in the world in relation and in framing of, the, of Christ. And that's not easy. And I'm, I'm bringing this up in particular because this fine balance between the sophomoric type of false love and hug garbage, which is pretty much which was she was exuding, like this bubbliness as she walked around cutting off her oxygen to her brain. And my position, or the other side, which is a warrior in Christ that has empathy and at least can have a kind engagement without having to be so harshly judgmental, which I am being. I just want to be very clear. I, I'm not even hiding where my position is because this face diaper pisses me off. So that leaves me with a bit of work to do. And I'm going to have to work on it because you have to find that balance between being the warrior of Christ and at the same time having that in the strength and the, and the magnificence that that represents and not belittling those that are truly lost. I don't think she knows Christ. Maybe I'm wrong, but not wearing that damn thing she isn't. And yet, like I said, if she was to, to realize what I am and who I am walking as and with, she would literally look at me and go, you're a hypocrite. And that's why I never want anything to do with religion. And she'd have every justification to say it. That's the catch on this thing. And that's something that I have to take to Father. And that's where I have to do my own seeking of forgiveness and repentance and retooling those perceptions. But see, this is one of these things that we're all burdened with now. And I, I guarantee you, every single person that has had to deal with the, with the as a person who's not wearing a mask or didn't take a vax, and we've had to deal with these others, that is a very big burden that we're now carrying. Not ours, theirs. Because the truth is that those that were, are wearing the masks, those that pushed for the vax, if they'd had their way, every one of us would be in an internment camp right now. And I'm not saying that lightly. That's really how they felt. So this takes us right to a couple of things. One is Jesus' place in the garden where he let them take him. And the burdens that he carried as they 
nearly beat him to death until they pinned on the cross. He never lost his demeanor. And I lost mine over one little kind of midget girl that needs to eat more beef and not as much soy and a whole lot less sugar. <laughs> I'm just going off on this one, aren't I? Yeah, I am. She reminded me of a little hobbit troll, I'll tell you right now. But anyway, and... Um, Oh, that thing irritated me. Because it is like a Nazi symbol to me. But, see, there again, what would Christ do? And so, I, I mean, I, as I do, I mean, I, my, my life is, a, on this show, It's I'm, I'm an open book. And I want you to hear it. Because I think there's times when I, you know, I talk in these euphemisms and I talk in these great things as if I have it all down. And I don't. Okay, today I got blasted and not surprising because this has really been a period in the last couple of weeks as I've done this deep fast, been doing some deep repentance. Father's really just pushing stuff out at me. I mean, you think about, I'm just going to give you a snapshot of my life in the last couple of weeks. I've had for about two weeks, I've had the sciatica, which is finally getting much better. But there was a period about three weeks ago when I couldn't even stand out of bed. This is now dissipated. Now now my voice goes to the garbage can, and it's coming back. But as I'm driving today and I'm reflecting on this, I'm like, wow, Lord, you took away my ability to walk, which gave me humility to understand how gracious of a gift that is, and it put me on my knees before you to realize how humbling, we, how humbled we must become. And then my voice gets basically shredded, and you point to me and say, what do I do now? And the only thing I can do is to sit quiet before him and pray. It's humbling. And tonight is yet another moment of being humbled. And that little test or exam that I just took isn't going to go, isn't going to make my semester grade look very good. And I'm not going to go seek her out to apologize or anything like that. Don't think I'm going to do that because that's not happening. But it is a benchmark for me to look at and to reflect very deeply on. And so I'm going to now kind of close out with Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. And it's, it, this seems a complete opposite direction, but there's a point of this. When we read Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. It strikes me that we put so much emphasis on the armor of God and not enough emphasis on finding the hurtful ways within me to lead the everlasting way. These two passages, Psalm 139, 23 to 24, and Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, you put those together, and I think you begin to get a deep sense of what the warrior Christ looks like. The armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 
put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of the darkness, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your long loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, all taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. When you read that, and I, when I'm reading that, and I'm thinking about this interaction, there was a big lesson that I missed in reading in the previous reads of this scripture, which is that she's the victim of those principalities that we're trying to fight. And that's the compassion piece. Not easy. By any means, not easy to do. And yet, it's that deeper step into the body of Christ that makes us so deeply humbled to realize just how great he was and is and how much work we each have to do. That young lady would benefit immensely from a relationship with Jesus. She might be able to reclaim her strength and drop her fears, which I believe she doesn't even realize she has. To once again walk in the world, to show the perfect face which God created her as. Rather than hiding behind a mask, which is the schemes of the devil. And that alone, that mask is so inoculated into our thoughts of frustration that that literally is a representation of the flaming arrows which we're trying to defend against. Because as we see the mask, we fail to see God's creation. And we react to the mask. And we don't seek the kindness that this person deserved. She wasn't mean. She was kind to me. I was the jerk. A humbling moment and something to reflect on. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these moments of deep humbling and reflection as we once again discern who the real enemy is. As you put on my heart, almost two months ago, and asked me the question, who is the enemy? And I couldn't answer. Today, I treated an innocent as the enemy, when in fact they are just the victim of the enemy's hand. We pray tonight, Father, that this discussion will lift up hearts and open eyes to the challenges, the deep challenges of walking in the body of Christ of reflecting on what Christ would do and what we can learn and gain to 
dig deep into seeking what our true enemy is and what he does, his actions, and discerning that between those that are victim of that and sadly entrapped in the belief structure that our enemies created. So, humbly, Father, I place this before you tonight in witness of all that are listening to ask for forgiveness for the actions that I took and ask for the witness, the wisdom that will come from this to create a better engagement, not a weaker one, but a greater one in kingdom and to create it in such a degree that the way that I interact will leave somebody with a desire to seek Jesus rather than a repulsion to the individual that they encounter. Forgive me, guide us all, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Life is an interesting maze. And it's a forever walk of improvement and self-reflection. You know, I'll tell you, the one thing that I always loved, I've talked many w different ways of this, of things that I have loved about working with special operations, and one of those is the honesty and integrity to be able to openly admit fault. And yet not to sit there, but now to work to improve there and become greater in what you do. This process is an opportunity to rise to become greater within that relationship with Christ and with Father, to take the moment and reflect deeply, to identify the enemy. It doesn't mean that the enemy gets a free ride, anything but my righteous anger towards the enemy only mounts greater. But the compassion for those that have been victimized also has to grow in equal proportion. And in doing so, there's so many that would benefit from being freed but their world is such now that in a public space, they mask up as normal. I couldn't imagine doing it, yet for them, that's become their normal. And the only place that they feel safe not to mask, at least for most, is, is in their own room. And even then, we don't know. There's a lot of damage that's been done. It's going to take a long time to undo, but it's not going to get undone unless we have a right perspective and a right engagement to free them from their own bonds. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow evening for Bards FM. Duncan will be covering Bended Knee all week. And then I'll see you again tomorrow night for Fisher's event. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest end Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in my body
Just to feel